Welcome to Reconsider. I'm Bill Hartman. This is the podcast to challenge you to ask better questions, to look beyond traditional models of thinking and arrive at better health and fitness solutions. But that takes that takes more time for me to do. So anyways, I today uh, we're <clears throat> going to talk about, not really sure what to call this, but we're talking about like I think people crave, people have this, this want to change things up frequently. They want like variety. They want, they crave novelty. They want like what the next big thing is. They don't give anything a chance and they just want to like go on to the next thing. So they just like, right. They serial, they're like serial uh, workout programmers. So they yes. like jump from one thing yes. to the next. Um, and those and are also the people. Why... And they wonder yeah. why they don't make progress. Yeah, those are also the people that complain about like, oh, I try yeah. all this stuff and nothing seems to work. And we're here to tell you that maybe there's a reason for that. Yes. And then I'll, I'll let Bill start. You could, I'll pass you the, the torch first on this one, Bill. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I always make the joke. It's like like the if you were to write a, a really useful fitness book, it would be like one page. You could, you could literally put it all on one page. Like the stuff that's going to be the most successful for you is like, all right, do a couple of these exercises, eat these foods, and then make sure you get enough rest and then just repeat it ad infinitum, right? It's just like, just repeat that. People are, and, and, but, it, but the problem is, it's like people do crave novelty and, and then the people that are selling stuff need to get attention. And so there always has to be like something new, right? There has to be all of this, this novelty to attract people. And what you find is, is as you dip into the experience, like the people that are, that are most successful at just about anything tend to do the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. So if you're on a diet, if you find like five meals that you like and you did those five meals and you did them for three months, you'd probably lose a whole bunch of weight because people really don't, don't crave that they don't demonstrate that much variety think about your daily routine so kind of the same um you think about the foods that you do eat like when you're eating unrestricted you kind of tend towards the same meals anyway right like you tend to use do the same activities you tend to follow this similar schedule from week to week to week it's like people really don't don't spend a lot of time doing a lot of you know different things and and yeah. this is no difference when we're talking about your your fitness program. It's like you got to find got to find something that you can that you can execute on a regular basis. That's that's step one. There are certain things that would that would depending on your goals. There are certain things that you would have to do under under those circumstances. If I want well, big muscles, I gotta I gotta lift weights, right? If you want endurance, you have to spend a, a long time doing stuff, right? Um, if you want to lose weight, you you've got to be in a caloric deficit for a while, right? You got to do it do it long enough. But the, the selling point, especially for dieting, I think I think it's probably expressed like everybody thinks that, that because you're restricting calories or something, it's like they try to sell you like, oh, here's a teeny tiny piece of chocolate cake that you get to have. And everybody goes, oh, I want the chocolate cake. It's like, no, you don't want the, that little piece of chocolate cake. You want the whole chocolate cake is what you want. It's like that little piece isn't going to do much for you. Right. So the reality is, it's like you got to just find the stuff that, that you can execute and then just keep doing it long enough right there is a there's a there's a as we were talking uh, before we started recording we said there's a dose and a response 
it's like most people change too quickly before they get the right dose of something to actually see the progress. That's the biggest yeah. problem. Well, yeah, if we're going to talk about it from like a medical science perspective, like empiricism, scientific mm -hmm. research, it's like when you have something you're studying or trying to change, you don't change the interventions too frequently. Otherwise, you can't actually come to a, con a proper conclusion. Right. It would be impossible right. to. Like if I was to run a study that needs to be controlled, like that word control, I, I can't change all of the variables throughout the study. If the study is three months, I can't change the variables every two days because someone's bored, right? Like that's right. that's going to detract completely from what my results are going to be. And then you have no control over what happened and you can't really determine what could have been even changed or what might have even occurred. Right, right, right. Yeah. So my, yeah. my buddy, Ben Bruno, I don't know if it's his quote, but I think he, he said it was like, training is doing the same, same 10 exercises until you die. Yeah. Like that's what, that's yeah. what it is. It's just like, you know, there, there's always yeah. going to be certain things that you need to accomplish from a training perspective and you're yeah. just going to do those things and you're going to keep yeah. doing them. And it's, it's boring. And I think a lot of people yeah. that experience success, they understand that. And it's sort of like checking a box for them. I think, I mean, if we talk a little bit about, from my perspective, I think where a lot of this craving novelty comes from is, you know, a lot, we talk about how people don't really have attention spans and how like the modern, you know, social media age, everyone's like has this instant gratification with swiping and they can, you can order food that you want at any time of day. You can order right. whatever you want it from everywhere in the world at any point. You can get it within a couple of days. Like it's, there's, it's too everything is too easy to get. So it's too easy for you to right. jump ship. It's like right. in back way back. And when, if you were trying to get good at like karate, you know, 50 years ago, there might be like one karate studio in all of your town. So you had that like one option. Now there's like 60. Yeah. So it's just, as time goes on, there's, there's just much more of a, a wide array of choices. Right. And that sort of like illusion of choice that leads people to believe that like they sh can just jump ship. Uh, like, too like, often. There, like there is a better, like there's a better way. Yeah. Right. And then they are, they the always reality think, is it's like, you just got to stick with it long enough. Right. And they're, right. they're being uh, marketing and sales is always bombarding people, especially nowadays with like that idea of, maybe you are doing the wrong thing and you need to do this. You were doing this and right. you need to do that. And I also think that like a negative influence might've been that in fat loss training, you know, your, your muscle confusion workouts <laughs> and people, people thinking that like, okay, well I'm, it, that may be true that if you do something you're bad at, like they did a study on, I think it was dancing, like people who are trying to take up dance classes and people who are swimming that weren't good at swimming and like how much, how much in terms of a caloric burn you get from doing something you're bad at or something new, but that doesn't make it good from like a long-term training perspective. So I think people conflate those things and that might be where some of this comes from as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, um, to use a ridiculous example, so if you're a power lifter, right, which means that, like, are, are you really going to not squat, like, forever, for as yeah. long as you're a power lifter? It's like, would you, would, would you remove the squat from your, and, 
And I realized that there's going to be those people that come on and say, well, I took squat on my program because I was working on some other stuff. Like, yeah, I understand the whole prioritization issue, but it's like, okay, if you're going to be a competitive, like there's always going to be a squat variation in your program. Right. Yeah. And, and it's going to be very similar over time. Right. It's going to be very similar. It's very, and it's boring. It's boring sometimes. Right. Yeah. It's, like, both, yeah. it's like you go in, in a squat day and you're going to go, ugh, it's squat day again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, but you're going to do it. And, and, and your ability, your ability to tolerate that element of anything that you do is what makes you good at it. Right. You got to, like, like I got, you know, like, like you can't see it. Where's my guitar? There's my guitar. That guitar sits right there. And I'm terrible. And I'm terrible because it's the amount of time that I involve myself in doing doing that. Right. It's like, because it's hard. It's boring. Right. Because I'm terrible at it. Like eventually, eventually, before I die, I'll probably get good at it. Right. If, if I stick it out long enough. It's just like everything else. So you got to get through that part. Like there's a, there's a, there's a moment in time where you've invested enough where you get past I mean, it was Seth Godin call it the dip. It's like that that part where it looks like you're just not making progress, not making progress, not making progress. And then what what you don't realize is that you're you're developing the capacity to induce more of whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be your work or whether it be your workout or whether it be the food. And you gotta get through that part. And but what happens is people get to where it where it gets boring or difficult or whatever it may be, and then they switch. And then they never get to the point where it's like, if you'd have just gotten on the other side of this, you would have made like the fastest progress of your entire life. But you didn't build enough of the momentum into that to get past that point. Right. It's like, yeah. that's what you got to get through. That's what you got to get through, whether it be. And again, the, like, don't jump to the next program because you're bored. It's like it's like milk the program for everything it's worth. It's like as long as you are making progress towards something, it's like keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to change just for the sake of change. Right. Yes. I think one of the one of the quotes that I use a lot is variety might be the spice of life, but it's the bane of progress. Oh, and yes. it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know whose quote that is. I, I would take, I'll it. take it. I would take it as I'll yours. Take it. I'll take it as mine. <laughs> I doubt it. I really <laughs> doubt it is. Mine. I don't think I've come up you with sure? a thought like that. Uh, <laughs> no, but that, that is true. And it's, it's like, why are you changing what you're doing? Now there are reasons to change what you are doing for sure. Like yeah, if something is, sure. is continuously causing your elbow to bother you don't just yeah. keep doing it because you need right. to see this through like there are certain yes. things that you need to course correct based on certain of feedback of course uh, and, but, there, and there, know, are, there are times where you would stagnate because of the yeah. because of the of, of the of the you know the need to make a change a change not right. change everything not change everything yeah, so it's, yeah again, this whole that's this, like, another stripped down of, the stripped down overhaul thing is, is what people end up, they just jump one ship to another. They're just riding right. a bunch well, so of bandwagons. Think, think about this. Think about this. So every exercise that you do has a requirement of skill. Yeah, and every time you yeah. do something, every time you do something new, you're not good at it. Which means it takes a while for you to get good enough at it to where you actually can create a sufficient stimulus to make the favorable change that you desire. So if you change too frequently, you're constantly learning a bunch of new skills, but you never get good at anything. And so once right. again, 
you don't make progress. It's like when it doesn't matter whether we're talking about long distance, you say, well, I know how to run. It's like, okay, but running to that distance is a skill. Like there are elements of it that you have to learn. You have to learn the tolerance here. You have enzymes that, that have to evolve as part of that, that underlie that element of the skill that if you don't give yourself enough time to construct those, right? Anytime that machinery has to be built like muscle mass, um, mitochondria, or, or, you know, like I said, the enzymes that you would use to break down, you know, food for energy, like all of those yeah. things take time. And, and again, it's like, if you're constantly changing, it's like you're, you're constantly restarting. You're never getting good enough at anything. And so that's why you don't make progress. Right. So is that you're trying to live also trying to like stealing from medicine again, you're trying to live in that world where you find the minimal yeah. effective dose for something. And then right. you do it to a point where you find the maximal tolerable dose as well. And you live within that sort of bandwidth. Right. But what happens yes. is people don't even get to the point of minimal effective dose before they they jump ship. Yeah. And on the and on the opposite hand, there are people that like get really into one thing and then they crank it all the way up volume wise, and then they end up blowing through the maximum tolerable dose ceiling and they blow themselves apart. So it's either like right. you don't do enough to ever make a change or yes. you just hit it so hard, so frequently, so often that you just mm -hmm. blow it out every time you try to start something. So it's like start slow and steady, you know, learn the techniques of something, learn the learn right. all the technical aspects of it and then yeah. slowly ramp up the like we're talking about dose and response, slowly ramp up the dosage until you right. start to see the progress that you want. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that's yeah. so, you know you'll have you'll have folks that will will come on to some you know video or podcast or whatever and they will they will say well such and such doesn't really work and it's like okay maybe yes maybe no but the question mark then becomes it's like okay did you do enough of it yeah. to have to actually impact what you were trying to influence so let me pick on foam rolling for a second okay so there will be the the people that that say, oh, there's a favorable response to foam rolling or self-applied manual techniques. And then there'll be the group people say that, well, okay, either it does, doesn't work. So you got the two camps, right? When the reality is, it's like, if you actually use it effectively, if you do enough of it, you will get a favorable change. And then they say, well, how much do I need to do? It's like, well, as much as you need to, to continue to make the favorable change. So, so this is, let me give you the prescription. So, I will give somebody, let's just say we're, we're talking about like the bottom of a foot. We're going to use like a stick, a tiger tail, lacrosse ball, whatever it is you use in the bottom of your foot, mm -hmm. right? Okay. It's like, how much do you need to do to get the favor, the, the desired change? As long as, as long as you have a key performance indicator that you are utilizing. So this is going to be a movement related uh, behavior. So the ability to capture like a middle propulsive foot or, proximal measures like you would see a change in hip internal rotation. Some people will be able to use a toe touch under that circumstance, right? So as long as you're continuing to make progress, literally within session. So let's say you do something to the bottom of your foot for a minute and you get the favorable change in KPI. Do some more. Does it get even better? Do some more. Does it get even better? Do some more. Does it get even better? Do some more. It's not different. There you go. That's how much you should do. Like, that's how you figure it out. You literally have to run the experiment 
to determine how much of something that you need to do. It's like going into the gym. It's like, how many sets of squats do you do? Well, what is the desired outcome? Okay. And then you do some, and then you see what your response is. Now, this is over a longer, longer time frame. Obviously, you're going to do this over a period of workouts, period of weeks, period of months. But that's how you start to determine what your volume tolerance is. And then the minimum effective dose. You have, you have to keep track of these things. That's how you do it. It's not like, oh, three sets is better, four sets is better. It's like, literally, you run your own experiment. You have to find out what it what your tolerance is because it will vary with time. And then again, the, the, the time where you make the great, everybody has this story. They go, oh man, it's like I trained and trained and trained. And then there was this, this period where I made the best progress ever. Right. There was like, I can tell you that a long time ago before you were born, uh, I had nine months where I literally made the greatest progress in like, it, it took me about seven years to get to my biggest and heaviest when I was, when I was training really hard, but there was a period of nine months somewhere about four or five years in, right. Where it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was literally felt like a superhero, felt like I was bulletproof, could do no wrong. Every time you go into the gym, it was getting better, getting, getting, getting better, getting better. But it took, it took the acquisition of the capacities that I developed over those years prior to, to actually experience that, that, that great period of progress. Had I changed too much or have I done something else, right? It, I may have never gotten to that point. And, and most people, like I said, if they really want to have that experience, you got to stick with, there's, there's, a certain amount of work that you're going to have to do, it's going to have to be very, very similar or the same over a long stretch of time. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, it's a lot of things to get into there, but there's, you know, thinking about the age, most of the time when people are thinking about the glory days of training and when they have the biggest progress, it's usually like between 15 and 25 when they're hormones were at the peak level to allow for them to do basically anything and just get better. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about variety. I think you mentioned something that is, is going to be a tripping. It's going to be a kind of a point that tri trips up a lot of people is that I don't think a lot of people know necessarily what KPI is to be looking at. So maybe mm -hmm. we can talk about some, you know, in terms of maybe we'll talk about in terms of like movement KPIs and then mm -hmm. like aerobic KPIs and then maybe like strength and weight training KPIs. Cause those sure. are three different sort of phases sure. of a training session or, or plan mm -hmm. for somebody. Okay. So it, it, it's going to depend on obviously what your intentions are. Yeah. To, so let's talk about, what you let's would, talk about like what, if someone's trying to improve, <clears throat> so I'm not, this is not me saying this, this is a normal person who has some interest in fitness. They want to improve their mobility. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, or they want to improve flexibility or mobility or how they right. how they move they wanna, around. They, feel they want to move better. Yes, yeah, they want to yeah. move they better. Move. What can we right. what can we have people how can we take a lot of the subjectivity out of it although there will, these will be highly subjective tests that they're being mm -hmm. done on yourself. You are yeah. administering them on yourself. Uh, what okay. can we have someone what can we suggest to someone that's looking well, for that? <clears throat> As, as, as part of regular assessment, we would use complex movements as comparators. And I, and I think, I think there's, there's a, there's a, there's an array of them that you could, you could select out some of the most common ones. And you think about like some of the, the most foundational of traditional tests, right? So back in school, 
was it was it the sit and reach right the old sit and reach the old sit and reach test they had the little box that you put your feet in and you reach and i, and always, I always got i always got first place <laughs> are you serious yeah i was incredibly flexible growing up really that's amazing because you're so long yeah. Well, uh, I wasn't. Anyway, I didn't grow a lot till after high yeah, school. Yeah, and those are, and that that kind of a test is based on you know averages and things like that. But uh, but no, it's like bending bending forward to touch your toes is is a is a classic, right? Those are always useful. You know, the ability to to squat effectively, the ability to to like a like a split squat, things like that. Mm. Um, just some some large gross movement that involves a lot of joints is is typically typically going to be the the easiest comparator but you know within within that scope it's like you might notice something as you're getting dressed in the morning it's like you know when i when i try to put my pants on i have to sit down you know something as simple as that like can i stand up put my pant legs on one at a time you know without having to sit down like that could be a useful like a useful measure right yes um you know can i easily squat down in the garage pick up a box carry it where I need to carry it kind of a thing. It's like the, the, these little things that you notice and they, those can become, you know, useful key performance indicators for, for yeah. people. Like it doesn't have to be like a, a standardized test. Yeah. But sure. again, you can, sure. you can, you can certainly use it as a comparator. Right. Yeah. I think, so, I think the, um, I think the whole putting your, the act of putting your clothes on, and having clothes yeah. over a long period of time can actually yes. be very telling of a lot of these yes. performance indicators. Absolutely. Your, the ease at which you can balance on one leg to put your foot through the other pant leg, the the if the pants fit still or not. You know, that's I was just in, gonna say I was just gonna very say what a, what a perfect KPI. Yeah. It's yeah, like uh, it's it's like it's like when it ha- when you have trouble buttoning your pants, it's not time to get it's not it's not time to buy a new pair not of pants. Time to get new pants. It's it's it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a time to pay attention to what you're eating. <laughs> right. You're that's like an indication of like what your dietary yeah uh, lifestyle changes might need to be. Exactly. And it's like the ease at which you can put the clothes on. So it's the balance component right. that I mentioned. Yes. It's, if you're bending yeah. down to the bottom drawer to get your pants and you have to go like, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, yeah. you find yourself yeah. like grunting and compressing to have to do yeah. these things like that's, yeah. that's going to be indicative too. Like, if, so uh, here you go. Yeah. Here you go. If your wife has to help you put your coat on because you can't get the other arm in the sleeve because the reach behind is now that. too difficult. Yeah. If you can't, it's going to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you get if you gotta if you gotta drop your pants down around your hips to tuck your shirt in because you can't reach up high enough anymore behind your back, hey, it's probably time right. to address that. If right? you can't put your hand, arms through your sleeves and put your arms up to like pull uh-huh. your shirt on, exactly, you have, like, put, you have to like keep the the arms down and then put your head in. Like that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's the yeah. Those being are able useful. To, Those are useful, right? Right. But the ease, they're, they're probably more of a recognition. They're probably more of a recognition. It's like, okay, it's probably time to, to address something. Yeah. Yeah, but it um, can still that can, can still give you some sort of benchmark, you know, and it's like you're yeah. you're the ease of you getting in and out of a car, the ease of you putting your clothes on, how your clothes fit, like what yeah. you know, reaching into the back seat of your car, like those things will be indicative of your your movement. Getting up off the change. ground. Yes. Getting up yeah, off the ground. Yeah. 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 yeah, just an all, uh, just like an all sort of, you know, in, if you want to know yeah. like fitness, just generally speaking, yeah. like can you get up and down off the ground? 
Yeah. Roll, like literally being able to roll from one position to another and, and come up without having to grab onto something, put pressure on your own leg and make a grunting noise like my dad used to get as he would announce himself as leaving his chair with the, you know, the roar. Uh, um, endurance wise. Yeah. What, what's your go-to? Resting heart rate? Yeah, resting heart rate. The ability to do like, ability to go for a walk and just breathe through your nose the whole time i think is huge okay. like if you if you find yourself having yeah. to breathe through your mouth that you know there could all there could obviously be a mechanical structural issue that yeah. you have in your nose or maybe you have an allergy problem but just in general if you don't have any of those sort yeah. of limitations if you can't just like do a normal brisk walk without breathing through your mouth the whole time yeah. that's a good indication for me. Talk, test. Heart rate. talk test talk yeah. test Talk test. I like that. I like that for execution, but I think that the resting yeah. heart rate is probably going to be the resting heart rate is probably going to be your, your, your indicator as far as, you know, uh, um, just how hard your heart has to work on a regular basis. Yeah. I think yeah. in terms of like pressurization, being able to contract and relax, like how hard is it mm -hmm. for you to go up a flight of stairs? Yeah. Like, are you, are you winded? Yeah. Does your heart rate spike like crazy as soon as you're done going up the <laughs> stairs? Like what sort of orthostatic response oh, do you yeah. get? Um, I, I, can I tell you my trade-off story? Sure. So this is, this is back in the olden days before you were born back when I was big and strong. And, uh, my, my, this is the early nineties. My first job, I had a, I worked at a spine clinic that was on the ground floor and we had a full commercial gym on the second floor. And I used to just, I'd work and then go after work, go up and train. And uh, the day I think I decided that I was getting a little too heavy is I had to sit down. It was a, it was a, it was a double flight of stairs to get to the, to the upstairs. The and I, well, I pretended to talk to the, to, to the, the girl that ran the gym. I sat down just and waited to talk on the... to her. But the reality was, is <laughs> the reality was, it was, uh, it was, it was a bit, a bit trying for me to make it up the stairs. So. I was like, yeah, I'm probably getting a little too big at that point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, so, those are, you know, that's, that's pretty useful. good indication. That's that's I, a, I also think um, this is not, you know, I stole this from, I don't remember where I got this from, uh, probably Val or Joel or Jameson or something like that. But if after, like, uh, after you've done some maximal high intensity exercise, like how long does it take your heart rate to come down? Like, can you drop? Right. Yeah, the the benchmark is like forty beats in a minute. Uh -huh. You drop forty beats from your max yeah, heart yeah. rate in sixty mm -hmm. seconds. Like that's a pretty good yeah. indicator of like your yeah. your body's ability to to reclaim yeah. oxygen. Yeah, the alternative would be to establish establish like a re a recovery heart rate. So what, whatever yeah. you like, let's say you're working at what would be considered by tradition anaerobic threshold or something like that. Um, and for all those people that you know, would argue that there's an anaerobic threshold. I'm with you. It's okay. But we can right. talk about that as an example. Um, but, but what it may be, it might be like getting back to 120 to 130 beats per minute. It's like from an interval standpoint, if you're doing intervals and you would want to be able to capture that recovery heart rate within the, the a certain time frame. It's like within the first yeah. minute or so. Yeah. Those are all over, all over time. Useful indicators. Be able to try and be able to, be able to track because these things are trackable over time. So it's like right. resting heart rate. 
if you if you start training and with the goal of lowering your resting heart rate or like you just start like general endurance training and your resting heart rate is like 76 and then over time it becomes 65 right that's that's a good indication of you have actually created some aerobic adaptations absolutely yeah absolutely so we've talked a little bit about like the movement perspective the you know pain-free movement perspective, ease of movement as KPIs. We talked a little bit about the aerobic cardiovascular KPIs. Um, I guess you you could always check your blood pressure as well. That will in, that will improve as your diet changes and your exercise uh, frequency increases. Yeah. Uh, you get your, and you then get the peripheralization of the of, you know as blood flow improves. That's yeah. going to bring the yeah. that's going to bring your the pressures down. Um, relative motion will bring your blood pressure down. Yes. Underappreciated. Underappreciated. Yeah, talk about that right. a little bit. Well, it, it, it stands to reason. So the greater the pressure you put on your body, the higher the the pressures are to re- return to the heart, right? Mm-hmm. So the more superficial muscle activity that you do have, there there is a bump up in the amount of peripheral resistance. Right. So it's harder to get blood back to the heart. And so then you would see a difference in, in the amount of blood pressure, uh, the, the degree of blood pressure. Is um, so when you reduce that muscle activity and you do gain the greater ease of movement, as, as we would describe it, it would be relative motions where you have you know, body parts that appear to move in opposition. Um, that would be a good indication that you've reduced that superficial muscle activity. We would typically see a reduction in blood pressure under those circumstances. Yeah, and you've you've I let's, mean let's squeeze it of, yourself like literally right. The, you've you've changed your pressure and volume relationships so that you have more volume, yes. which yeah. will then mean less pressure because that's what physics says. <clears throat> yeah, which is why <laughs> which is why I'm I'm fond of saying that that you know the movement is one of the best proxy measures for just about everything, right? Yeah. So what it was like grip strength is a great great measure of all-cause mortality, I would say yep. relative movement is right up there as far as well, a test for I mean, for longevity. I know you and I have talked about this before, but is there actual standardized literature to talk about like tidal volume and health? Um, I would probably have to, to go looking for that, but I would hazard I to guess there, that I there's, imagine there would be. There, there's going to be there's going to be something that's that's related because they're all they're they, all related, yeah. right? So they relative certainly, motion, tidal volume. For sure, that that yeah. spirometer test that they do uh, is an indicator. Of, volume? Yeah, because that will uh-huh. that will relate uh-huh. to your tidal volume as well. Right? Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. By, by tidal volume, I just mean like the maximal amount of like air that you can move. So if, if I increase if I increase the amount of air that I mm-hmm. have to move, right. I've right. also increased the space. So that that in, that in, increase in space will will also yes. be a resultant of like a lowering of that peripheral right. squeezing that we're talking yeah. about as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So 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 again, generally speaking, is like the, the 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 better and more comfortably you can move, chances are, blood pressure probably falls into a, a good range. Resting heart rate's probably in a good range, right? From a general health perspective, right? So yeah. it behooves you to. To follow through on that, we we sort of went like kind of where we started, where we're finishing today. It's kind of interesting. Um. Well, I think it's in well because it's the conversation about variety and dose responses. That's sort of yeah. it. Like we, you can talk yeah. about that for ten minutes. 
Oh, come I, on. It, it's a, I, I think it's a great, it's a great topic. Well, then what else did you mention about what, what else did know. you mention about it? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and, and actually think, we, think about that. Yeah, but you won't. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never watch, you'll never watch this podcast. You'll never think about what we just talked about again. I know I'll, I'll forget about it by tomorrow. I'm sure 30, 32 podcasts in, I'm sure you've watched zero of them. You know why, Chris? I don't watch them because I live them. Yeah. Okay. I watch them again because <laughs> I have to, I have to. Edit you watch them. it because you have to, because, because yeah. if, if let's be honest, if the technical side of this was, was dependent on me, nothing would get well, done. Well, that's where, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm here for. The, um, <laughs> the, I think the way, the reason we kind of went off on it, it's not really even tangential because you were talking about, variety and like how you have to stick with certain things but people don't know right. what to use as yeah. performance indicators so it's like right yeah i can blindly stick with something forever uh and then right. you know six months from now someone else is going to tell me like hey none of these kpis have changed that you didn't even right. know about so i wanted to right. make sure people at least had some tools in order right. to make the proper decision on if what yeah. they're doing is what they should stick with i think i think the the the, the element that, that we need to, to make clear is just have a very specific intent. The more specific your intention, the easier it is to measure something that would be related to your progress. Yeah. So it could, yeah. it could be your weight, could be your waistline. It could be your arm size. If you're, if you're into the, the muscle building thing, it's, it's to be able to run the 5k or the half, half marathon or whatever it might be. Like, like those are your, those are your measuring sticks yeah where right? you have a you sport have to, right? yeah yeah exactly exactly there's got to be some form of indicator to let you know but but again having a specific intention versus just saying like oh i want to lose weight it's like well okay right. how much weight how fast right and then then yeah. you, you sort of you find your way people but, that but, say you know like you know i want to i want to look better i want to feel yeah. better i want to be stronger yeah. it's like these are all like yeah. imperative things and you need to actually yes. know what what <laughs> your goal is and then what are the other what are the key performance indicators for people that have achieved those goals like what is exactly. what's the data what's the normative data what's the standardized data that we can draw yeah. on yeah and then you can just do something useful right, right. and then you have but, something you can actually check to see you can create a feedback yeah. loop for yourself. Right. But just be prepared. Right. It's the, boring. The fact that it is boring. It is boring. Yeah. But everything, everything at, at some point in time, at some point in time, everything that's worth doing is going to be boring. It just is. Yeah. And people, it's, it's, it, I, yeah, it's people have a hard time coming to terms with that because they, the projected reality of people who are influential on the internet would be that like their lives are great. If you just keep, if you just keep trying and, and looking for the right thing, then you'll, you can just make what you like to do, what you, what makes you money and your life is going to be amazing all the time. It's like, no, there's <laughs> so much that went into getting to that point. Yes. Um, and it's not, it's not what it's, it's too easy to see these things and think that like, I think that's part of the reason why people jump ship on whatever they're doing so frequently. They try to try to just emulate what they see. Yeah. Um, 
on social well, media. Well, they, they keep they just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking, and so like there's always a difference. Oh, so and so does this. So and so does this. So and so. Yeah. Oh, it's like what? Do you, yeah, and, and I have clients that are like, "What do you think about this? This person says this, but this person says this." And then there's these people like nutrition stuff is is my least favorite when it comes to this because there's like a camp of people that are like only eat meat and and like livers and organs and then people are like don't eat any meat you can't eat any meat you'll die <laughs> it's like you can only eat nuts and seeds and fruit and vegetables and that's what's yeah, going to make you live longer because these these societies did this and this and it's like no like we're designed that yeah and it's it's just it's madness but what you can do is you can try something for a period of time see how it goes using key performance indicators maybe guided by yes. like some medical profession because that's yeah. what that's what blood work is that's what all of these standardized tests that they have you do when you go to get your physical are for because it's, it's based on something the 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 oldest living person i believe in, in the world right now is 118 yeah and uh that's the longevity expert <laughs> like yeah whatever she's whatever she's done that's what works, right? And then it probably starts with picking the right parents, right? Yeah, <laughs> genetically, it's, it's like let's for, let's not forget that part. Right? Having the yeah. having the right relationships, living in the right place, yeah, like you know, all these things yeah. have have uh, worked out. Being low stress, yeah, I, I, I have I, I just have to, I, I have a lot of trouble. I have a lot of trouble with thirty year old uh, longevity experts. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of trouble with. I have a lot of trouble with sixty-year-old fitness experts who've had three heart attacks. Like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, can't yeah. beat your genetics, right? I mean, I think I think a lot of. So I don't want to get too into this, but I think a lot of these like fitness experts who just were all about high intensity for so long and had three percent body fat that that took as much a toll on their bodies as being obese oh. and inactive. Yeah. Well, you know, like the more muscle mass that you carry, the the harder your whole body has to work. Right. Like, the larger so you are, also, look, they they have an aesthetic that is that is appealing, right? But yeah. but again, from a long term perspective, it's like it's not necessarily true. Like That's they right. look good and feel good now. Right? BMI is a real thing, and that there's yeah. it's not just you don't just ignore it because you're yeah. jacked like it's harder to your body is it's harder for your body to have that much it is carry that it much is. around yeah you might look, smaller dogs live longer yeah small dogs live longer yep. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's why you're not a bodybuilder anymore right? not anymore no yeah that's why it was it if wasn't like if your hips <laughs> if your hips hadn't failed you do you think you'd still you think you'd still be doing it oh hell yes <laughs> yeah we wouldn't even be talking at all right now yeah, exactly. You'd be, you'd be exactly. judging Mr. Olympia competitions. I would be. I'd, I would be all over that. I'd be all over that. Uh, I, we didn't really talk about. Um, we didn't talk about like weight room and strength. Strength is such a strange topic because it's a comparative, right? And it's yeah. strong. You're, and it's more about like what's strong enough for what. It's really context dependent. It's really comparative. Like, are you stronger than you were three weeks before? And you use right. like certain exercises. It's like, what, yeah. what can you even give someone as a KPI? I mean, my, my best bet is just like, other than getting up off the ground, being able to do like some type of get up, maybe like push ups, inverted rows, well, be able to manage yeah, your body yeah. weight in space. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that okay, it's like there's going to be a crowd where that's going to be very applicable, right? When yeah. you get into my age, my age group is going to start to to feel that. Like, you're going to hear a lot of noise when they get up off the ground, like we were talking about before. I think, I think that, yeah, most, most strength measures are going to be just comparative exercises in the gym more than anything else. Because um, it's easy. Let's face yeah. it, it's easy. That's why, you know, like... You know, if, if you are a strength and conditioning coach, it's like that is one of the parameters of your job is that those numbers are going to increase. Right. So it's it's probably one of the more more trackable. And again, just just by ease of tracking that that it becomes useful. Most people want to try to maintain some measure of force producing capability. Gym strength is probably a useful enough measure for most people. I don't think we need to get carried away with a with a too many things. Right. You know, from a behavioral standpoint, how quickly can you get up from a chair and, and, and move? Like, again, it's like, so there's, this is what we used to do back in the, when I worked in the nursing homes, we used to do a get up and go test, which is like, yeah. it's actually a, it's actually a standardized test um, where you get up out of a chair and you got to get across the room in a certain amount of time. Right. And so again, for your older folks, very useful. What would be the equivalent of a get up and go? Well, maybe it's a dynamic effort type of squat. Maybe it's a jump, jump test or something along those lines that you might maintain. Right. Um, maybe it's your, just your barbell squat of, of some sort, maybe, you know, your bench press, whatever it might be like anything yeah. that, 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 that you're excited about in the gym. I, sure. I think it, like I said, it's probably one of the easier things to, to yeah, compare. Because we, that's obviously based on, we're not saying any specific exercise, but based on your limitations as an individual yeah. like don't yeah. just start testing your bench press because bill said yeah, to test your bench press yeah. uh and i would also like just in terms of the smart ways to do things and the more conservative ways and the the not putting your not setting yourself up for high probability of failure don't do one rm testing maybe do like five to eight repetition max testing so you're dealing with yeah. more like you know 70 percent 80% of what is your actual max, and then you have a spotter or something. So I don't want anyone to listen to this to hurt yeah. themselves because they're trying there, to... There tends to be an element of technical breakdown at, at, at the higher intensities that probably isn't worth, you know, for right. just right. about everyone. Yeah. Just about yeah, it's everyone. Just, yeah. And creating that level of compression is a skill for sure, yes, or much. requires a tremendous amount of loss of what we mentioned earlier, that relative motion, yes. which is just like, yes. you're, you're really just playing with fire at that point. Uh, so this is, this goes for, if you if you train athletes, like don't want an RM testing, even if their coaches are like way into it, uh, this is gonna get back to my college strength in coaching days, but we had coaches that were so gung-ho about bench press maxes and squat maxes. And we would just be like, it's not worth having a lacrosse, one of your best lacrosse players try to mag one rep max on the bench and then not be able to play lacrosse. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, it's, un it's unfortunately not a direct relationship, right? Yeah, it, for it sure. Doesn't, it doesn't tell you that you're a better lacrosse player. Yeah. Right? Yeah. playing better as, as we always used to say there is no bench press on the football field boys right oh yeah if you're what it's like if you're if you're on your back pushing a guy off of you it's like you <laughs> yeah. you probably did your job poorly as a, as someone working on the line <laughs> yeah there you go yeah that's there not a, that that means that someone just got to your quarterback that's what that means 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that That's never a good one. All right. I think we, we talked about like why uh, variety for the sake of variety is going to be, it's going to, you know, get in the way of your progress. And then we talked about when you are sticking with a plan, how you can even tell if that's the right way to go. Cause it's just like, okay, I'm going to blindly just stick with this thing forever and then hope for the best, but make sure you have things to check against. Yes. Um, and whenever new and whenever new information comes in and you want to try something, try to like pull principles out of what is being sold to you and maybe try to apply that to like the world that you already have created instead of just completely you know, it's like if you if you don't believe what it is like, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. That's kind of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Lots of great quotes and aphorisms in this one. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we take credit for all of them? <laughs> no, that one I definitely can't take credit for. That's uh, that's like an old, old, old. Adage. Uh, yeah. yeah. We should probably probably look those up to see who actually said it. <laughs> you mean and by we you mean me? Yes. <laughs> the the editorial we where where Bill runs the yes. newspaper and all the editors do the work. That's right. I just we. point. Yeah. I just point. You're J you're J Jonah Jameson. There you go. There you go. Parker. Get me get me pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> you uh okay, yeah. All right, we're done, everybody. I'm Bill and I are going to talk about <laughs> comic books now, probably, and how Bill Bill loved the Madam Web movie. <laughs> oh God, is it out? It got the worst. It got some of the worst reviews I've ever seen. Some of them were like really funny. I can't remember the quotes, but is it out? Out like it's in the yeah. Theaters? It's been out. It's performed as poorly as anyone would have expected. Uh, it's really like you know, it's it's a girl movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all girls. If you start, if girls? you start talking about like the, the girl stuff, I'm not going to put this on the podcast at all. <laughs> Why? It's a, but it's like it's all it's all the female like characters. So what they what I the what Spider I, Woman, what I, Spider Women, Spider Women. Yeah, a bunch of the Spider Women. Um, okay, three different versions of Spider Woman, I believe. Oh and my, then, um, that's probably a bit yeah. much. It's uh, well, originally could have been. Uh, originally, they were going to try to tie it into like the Venom universe and then actually have it be like an origin story of some of the characters because it takes place mm -hmm. previous to Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, and then they would have been part of like the, but there were a bunch of rewrites and then I guess it ended up becoming like a like thriller almost. It was like, you know, you ever see all those Final Destination movies? I might have seen the first one. Yeah, it's like this. Is this, this where like they all they they all like avoided death on a plane and then yeah, one by one they they would all get death, death is trying to come after them basically. So I got you. all these yeah. crazy like things keep happening. These like Rube Goldberg type of scenarios. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah it ended. I guess the movie, the Madam Web movie, ended up being like that. Oh, and it was just I don't know. And it, it seemed I guess what. I don't know any of this. I just, this is all like secondhand account from me reading it, but mm -hmm. it seems that like the main actors weren't very thrilled with all the changes and you can tell in their performances. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> Which what I good. love. I may have to just, 
I may watch just it to just see. to see. Just to see how bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, so it would be, so is it, is it Marvel? So it would be on Disney? So, Sony. Sony. Is it going to be yeah. on Disney then? Probably not. It should be on there quickly then, I would think, right? It probably won't be on Disney, I would guess. It'll get, oh, it it'll, won't be on it'll Disney. end up being on like Stars or something like that. It's not a Disney oh. Marvel property. It's one of the Sony Fox properties. Oh. Venom okay. and all of those are Sony Fox. It's still Marvel characters. It's just that like, they yeah. own so, certain okay. aspects. I, I, I always get Spider-Man. confused with that whole thing. Yeah. I don't so how that it's works. like Disney ended up pulling Spider Man back to, to them, but. Sony still owns like the rest of Sp- it's Spider Man. It's very weird. It's like a licensing agreement that they have. Okay. Eventually, someone will just buy somebody else, and we'll all just be. And then they'll blow they'll blow the universe apart again, so they can start over. That's what they've already sort of done, and what they will do. It seems like Deadpool might just be a really hard reset for Marvel. I'm hoping. Based on what kill the, everybody you, see the, you see, the trailer. I've not. Oh, you should. Okay, it's so Deadpool is is being hunted. You didn't you didn't watch Loki? I'm guessing. I did not see Loki. It's like I gotta explain all this stuff to you, bud. So the the multiverse is managed by this this group called the the uh, what's it the time TVA, something the time variance authority. Okay. Okay. And that's the, and that's, the, that's uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, he's Mor- Morbius he, or Mobius. He's uh, he's one of like the agents, and they go after gotcha. Loki because Loki has all these different variants who are with, throughout the multiverse who are like causing problems. And whenever there's these too many variants causing problems in the timeline, they pull them out and they take them to the TVA, which is like jail, basically. Gotcha. And they erase some of them to like they banish them to like what the Superman would be like the Phantom Zone. Okay. So they're like banished to the Phantom Zone. So uh-huh. the new Deadpool movie, it loops in. The TVA like comes to his door right in the beginning of the movie. And they like hire him to help hunt down variants of, we don't know yet, but probably Wolverine. Or or it could be Magneto or it could be some other like villain that has well, variants. Wolverine's in the movie, right? Yeah. So there are multiple versions of Wolverine in the movie, I believe. There are multiple versions of Deadpool in the movie. We're going to see like a bunch of different things happening in this sort of Phantom Zone area, I okay. believe. Uh, okay. And I think it's Marvel's attempt to kind of blow everything apart, maybe bring in the X-Men, bring in the Fantastic Four, sort of explain away how all of these separate things that exist in the Marvel Universe haven't existed in the MCU yet. Maybe bring Tony Stark back. Who knows? Because I, I think they're going to do. I think they're going to do Secret <laughs> Wars. And that'll be like your. That'll be your Doctor Doom, Fantastic Four tie-in, and then you can have okay. all these multiversal versions of characters. You could bring yeah, back. That... You could bring back Eric Bana as the Hulk. You could bring back Edward Nor- Edward Norton as the Hulk. You could. Oh, that, you could. That would be good. You could have Lou Ferrigno in there. Is Lou Ferrigno alive still? That, yes. Okay. Yes. That would be incredible. <laughs> Literally, 